Before I get into the, into the message, we wanted to, especially this weekend, my wife and I, just say thank you so much for the way that you blessed us this Christmas season with the offering that was received from my wife and I. You guys just blew our socks off. We have never been this blessed as we have been this year. Barb, thank you. What touched us the most was your... Uh, it's on. It's supposed to be on. What touched us Here the most go. was your love and generosity towards us. We really appreciate all of you so much. We love you. We love this congregation. New Beginnings is an awesome church. Amen. Amen. So thank you again from our hearts. Thank you. Amen. I feel like we need to do one more thing. Brian, come up here. Brian, take the mic. Just take a minute. Brian, just take a minute to mention about the Bible school. That this is the last, honestly, the last weekend really too. All right? So just, just real quick, very quick. Very quick. Start now. Start now. <laughs> Bible school for new students starts this Tuesday. If you've ever considered going to Bible school, if you've ever considered building a foundation, building a biblical foundation for your life, for whatever that means for you, please, at the end of service, go out to the lobby. There's a, there's a, uh, a table there with blue and gold and white balloons. Our dean of the school, Pastor Jerry's there, and he wants to talk to you, and he wants to meet you. And please, 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 hear my heart. Bible school isn't just for people who are going to be pastors and missionaries, yes, preachers. Yes. It's for each and every one of us to fulfill the calling on, of our, calling on our lives. So please, if there's that fire inside of you, please take a moment and go out the end of the service and speak to Pastor Dean Dr. Jerry Ball. Amen? Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, seriously, this is, in the 25 years of history of this church, this is the third time we're launching a Bible school. We do it as the Holy Spirit has led us. But I have to say before God, this is the one Bible school that I've seen more transformation, more growth, just more uh, of a depth in the, in the graduates and, in the, in this, and now the second year students than we've seen in any other Bible school that we've ever launched before. I believe it's in response to the season that we're in, that God is just raising up the church to really take the message of the gospel to every person that's possible, that's, that is possible. So please, now Brian said if you have the fire inside you, even if you don't have the fire inside you, especially if you don't have the fire inside you, because the Bible school will put the fire inside you. Get in there, make the commitment, attend, sit in those classes, it's just two hours a week, and I'm telling you, the growth that you're gonna see is gonna be amazing, because this Bible school is based on the Word of God, and it teaches the Word of God, amen? Praise God. All right, you ready for the message? Yes. A couple of people are. Uh, are you ready for the word? Yes. Okay. So listen, here's what we need to establish as a fact. Sir, can we help you? Amen. So what I need you to grasp before I can get into the message today is basically what I prayed just a few minutes ago. Understand that God loves us. Amen? Amen. Now, he receives us just as we are, takes us in whatever state we are, because he loves us. But he loves us too much to leave us in that state. How many of you would, would, would show in your hands raised, how many would you agree that when you first came into this relationship with God, you needed some work? 
Okay. Okay. And so God loves us so much that in his love, he gives us opportunities in different seasons throughout our lives to give us the chance to say yes to him, to his Holy Spirit, to come and shine the light in our souls. Understand, if this is a soul issue we're going to talk about today. Your spirit, my spirit, because, you know, we're, we're tripart in nature, right? God created us in his image and as his likeness. God exists in a tripart nature, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You guys know this, right? So then if we're created in his image and likeness, then there should be something tripart about us, yes? We are spirit. That's who, that's who God created, created your spirit. We possess a soul, and they live in a body. Now, when you got born again, I got born again, when we received Christ as our Lord and Savior, our body and our soul were not affected, other than emotions. Our spirit was recreated in Christ, was brought back to life again. And the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of our spirit, and that's how we know that we belong to him. Amen? Amen? So your spirit... If you're born again, your spirit is perfect in the eyes of God. Any problems that you encounter in life from that point on, we say a spiritual issue. Now, your spirit's perfect. You experience any problems you experience, it's not coming from your spirit. It's coming from your soul. Because our soul is made up of our mind, our will, our emotions. And that's where we carry wounds, we carry hurts, we carry the results of betrayals, we, we carry the results of just getting beat up in life. That's where, that's, where we, we, that's where those things are affecting us. They're coming from there. And so at times we need healing. Now, if, if we fall into sin from time to time, or unfortunately, there's some people that, that do receive Christ and are born again, but they get trapped in a cycle of addiction or a cycle of, of just falling into the same sin over and over again. That... We would say, well, the person has a spiritual problem. No, their spirit has been made perfect in Christ. It's in their soul where they can't get free. Are you listening? So, so we are imperfect beings having been saved by a very perfect God. Amen? Amen? But he doesn't want us to stay there. And we're going to go through some scriptures today. But what I want you to see is this, that when God gives us direction and instruction in the word as it pertains to these areas of our life, it's coming from his heart of love. It's not coming from a, a heart of, of vindictiveness. It's not coming from a heart that's malicious. It's not coming from a heart that wants to punish you or wants to point you out or wants you to feel guilt or condemnation. He put all those things on Jesus so that you and I would not have to experience those things. Do we understand? Okay, good. So whatever we receive today, whatever instruction, whatever correction, say correction, we receive today is going to be from the heart of, of God, which is love. Amen. He loves us. And like I've said many times in the past, if you claim that you love somebody, but you're watching them lead a life that's self-destructive, you're watching them heading for a cliff, if you don't stand in the way, pray for them, intervene, you can't say that you really love the person if you're willing to let them walk off a cliff. Yes? Well, God, God is very much that way. He loves us. And there's some areas sometimes in some of our lives where we're heading towards a cliff. And if he doesn't step in front of us, we're going to reap destruction. Now, you're going to go to heaven because your spirit's born again. But some people end up living hell on earth. They're going to go to heaven, but they end up living hell on earth. 
because they never give themselves over to the Holy Spirit for the Holy Spirit to deal with them to make some course corrections. Now, I understand you're here to pick up this information for somebody else. And you're saying to yourself, I'm so glad I'm here today because so-and-so needs to hear this. So listen good so that you can tell so-and-so when you see them what you heard in church today. Okay? We understand you're good, you're perfect, everything's good between you and God. So now, listen, let's establish a foundation here. Jesus is the head of the church, yes? yes? We know that, okay? Colossians chapter 1, verse 17 says this, that he, Jesus, is before all things, and in him all things consist, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he, Jesus, may have preeminence. We, he's the head of the church, okay? We know that we, know that we, we have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Yes? He's our, he's our Lord. He's our Savior. Uh, and we know that. And we've received him. His spirit has come to live in our life. But where is Jesus today? So you got weak on that one. Where is Jesus today? Where is Jesus right now? He's in heaven. He's not here on earth. He's in heaven. Physically in heaven. Who is here on earth? The Holy Spirit. And you need to know that. Okay? Now, the way the hierarchy... I hate to put it this way, but maybe you'll understand the word better. The way the bureaucracy of heaven works is this. God the Father's on the throne. Jesus Christ, the physical manifestation of God the Father, is seated next to him in heaven. On earth is the Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God does not live in a building. Where does the Holy Spirit live? In us, in every believer. Paul brought this out by revelation. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Spirit lives in you. So now, you probably said to somebody today, well, I'm going to church today. But who is the church? We are. So this building, is these walls, this ceiling, the floor, the chair, this isn't the church. This is where the church meets. Okay? Almost all the letters in, in, in the New Testament are addressed to the people that the church at Thessalonica, at Philippi, at Galatians. That weren't addressed to a physical building. It was addressed to a group of individuals that met somewhere. You came together today. We came together today. The church assembles itself together to receive instruction, to receive uh, encouragement, edification, gives us an opportunity to worship together, gives us an opportunity to get equipped for the week that's coming up ahead. Okay? So now here's how it works. Jesus, the head of the church, knows the heart of the Father, knows the desire, knows the plans of God. He has plans for the church, okay? Now, he's in heaven. You're the church. He speaks through the Holy Spirit to your spirit and gives the church individually and corporately instruction and direction about how to proceed forward. And I'm bringing this out because many Christians will live and die on the earth, born again, have a relationship with Jesus, but never develop a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in you to give you direction, instruction, teaching. He's there to show you things to come so that no matter what happens in life, nothing will ever take you by surprise if you develop an ear to listen to the Holy Spirit. Are you listening to me? We have inside information. The Holy Spirit is in there. And when we 
unclutter our lives, when we set time aside, when we pull back from the things of this world, we hear him clearer. Amen? Amen. So, we today are going to receive instruction from the Holy Spirit through the Word of God in a couple of different places. Whenever you come to church and whenever you listen to anybody teach, you listen to a teaching on, on the internet, on your phones, whatever it is, it is, and if it's godly, biblically accurate, it's going to be the word of God expressing the heart of the Father and revealing Jesus to us through the word. Testimonies are wonderful. They inspire us. But testimony doesn't have any power apart from the word of God. Amen. We can inspire people. We can make people feel good. Some of you are going to leave today and go, wow, I feel so good that I went to church. That's wonderful. But instruction predominantly, listen to me, predominantly comes through the word of God. Amen? Amen? Okay. So, this weekend, we begin to set the course for what we believe the Holy Spirit is instructing us for this season that we're in now. And here's the season. The season that you and I are in as a church is a season of preparation. And preparation for the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, I can't go into a lot of detail, but I told a couple of people uh, in between services, this dropped in my heart this morning, very early this morning, that consider this, if you're a student of the Bible, and I pray that you'll become a student of the Bible if you're not, the entire church age is a season of preparation for the Lord's second coming. That's why you'll hear Peter talk about as if Jesus is coming back that day. That's why you'll hear Paul, Paul and we're going to go to some of Paul's uh, uh, writings. He writes in the context of like Jesus has come back tomorrow. The entire past 2,000 years has been preparation for the second coming of the Lord. The first 4,000 years was preparation for the first coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the scriptures in the Old Testament that point to the first coming of Jesus being born in Bethlehem. That was God speaking to his people. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. And then a man named John the Baptist shows up on the scene. God raises him up, Jesus' cousin, raises him up and puts a message in his heart of repentance. Would you say that word? Because a lot of Christians don't like the way that sounds when it comes out. Would you say that word, please? Come on, say it. One, two, three. Repentance. That wasn't so bad, was it? Re- say it again. Repentance. Now, you see, a lot of people have religious ideas of what repentance is. Repentance, biblically speaking, is when you are, have been living your life in one direction. You're heading in one direction. You're on this path. You're continuing on this path. No matter how much destruction you bring in your life, you're still continuing on that path. And then one day, after, after knowledge has been accumulated from the Word of God, Somebody came to speak to you about Jesus. You listened on the radio or TV or the internet, and you received something of the word of God, and it began to build faith in your heart. And you started having a change of heart. You started thinking about this Jesus differently than you did before. You started thinking about Christianity different than you did before. You started thinking like, hey, my life is a stinking mess. I'm tired of this. There's got to be more. 
And all of a sudden, one day, all of that accumulation exploded in faith, and you made a declaration that, and received Christ as your Lord and Savior. You declared your faith in him that he is the Son of God, that he did die on the cross for you, that he did raise again from the dead, and you said, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior. What did you do? You repented. You changed your mind, and you headed in a different direction. Well, that's not a one and done, because now that you're born again, the rest of the Bible after the Gospels exists to give us instruction of how we're supposed to live on this planet until one of two things happens. Either you take your last breath and you step into eternity, or Jesus comes to receive the church. From that point until then, the instructions that you and I have available to us are found in the New Testament of how to live. The Gospels are supposed to lead us to Jesus. When we receive Jesus, now the Holy Spirit leads us into the rest of the Word so that we know how we're to conduct ourselves, how we're to live, what we're to expect, what rights do we have as children of God. You understand what I'm saying? So it's only natural then that we should find instruction for how to live now in this present age. Are you following me? And we are in the same season now, the church, as when John the Baptist was on the earth. John the Baptist was raised up, and his main message was, prepare the way of the Lord. His message to Israel was, get your act together. Forsake what you've been doing. Get rid of the ungodliness. To the religious people, get rid of the religiosity and go back to the God of your fathers. It was a message of repentance. It was a message of change the way you're believing, change the way you're thinking. Why? Because the Messiah is coming. Do you, do, you, do you follow me? Uh, some of you are. Okay. It's, it was a season of preparing God's people for the Messiah to come. Well, here we are. We're in a season right now, and this is the way it's going to be from now until Jesus returns of the church preparing ourselves. And in preparing ourselves, we're preparing the world, those who don't know him yet. We are to be influencers. You hear that word tossed around all over the place now. This one's an influencer. And this, in this aspect or this part of our society, this one's an influencer in this, to this generation. If, no, the church is called to be influencers. Turn to somebody and say, you're an influencer. Now, now watch this now. We're, oh, well, I don't know, Pastor. I'm really kind of to myself. No, no, no. Every person is an influencer. You're either influencing somebody for good or you're influencing somebody for bad. You listening? Okay. So if Jesus is the head of the church and the Holy Spirit is the means of communication between God's throne room and earth, then we're going to see now the Holy Spirit speaking through the writers in the New Testament Give us direction how we're to conduct ourselves, how we're to prepare ourselves in this present age that you and I live in right now. Thank you for that amen. The rest of us are still pondering. Okay? So let's go. I'm going to jump right in because we don't have a whole lot of, whole lot of time here. If we got the Spanish service starts at 1 o'clock, so we got to get out of here. Okay? And if you have family members that do not speak English, Please tell them to come at 1 o'clock because Pastor Victor is doing an amazing job preaching the word. And the worship is like incredible, okay? 
Titus chapter 2. Now, let me just fill you in a little bit the book of Titus. I'm not even going to ask for a show of hands how many people have read the book of Titus lately, because the book of Titus is like Nahum in the Old Testament. Oh, there's a book there with that name on it? The book of Titus is, is one of the most practical books that exists in the New Testament. In the, in the letter that Paul wrote to this man named Titus, okay, uh, Paul gives Titus instruction for older women, younger women, older men, younger men, employers, employees. It's massive instruction for how to conduct ourselves as Christians. Now, knowing that it's not easy for us to conduct ourselves according to the word of God all the time, God in his goodness and in his love towards us, say, he loves me. Turn to somebody, say, he loves me. Turn to somebody else, say, he loves you. Come on, you guys are not really doing it. Come on, one more time. Turn to somebody, say, he loves you. And say this, and because he loves you, he wants to help you. So in the middle of all this instruction, God pours out his grace to help us how to live right in this world while we're waiting for Jesus to return. Amen? Titus chapter 2, verse 11. You ready? We're going to go through this a step at a time here. Ready? Let's, I'm going to read through the whole thing, and then we're going to unpack it, all right? For the grace of God that brings salvation. Who is the grace of God that brings salvation? Jesus. You weren't sure there for a minute, but now you got it. Let's say it again. Who is the grace of God? Because this is a person he's talking about. Who is the grace of God that brings salvation? Jesus. Has he appeared to all men? Yes. yes. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. Now I want you to pay attention to the next two words. Say it with me out loud. Teaching us. So let's stop right there. Many people claim to have a revelation of the grace of God. Been a whole lot of teaching about the grace of God, especially in the past 10 to 15 years. I mean, I've been in this thing for 38 years. Past 10 to 15 years, a lot of teaching on grace, 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 but hardly anybody ever teaches this part of grace. Grace is supposed to teach us. Not just cover me when I've sinned. Not just put a Band-Aid Grace is God's empowerment for you and I to do things that in the natural are impossible for us to do. Grace is not just an umbrella against the, the wrath and the punishment of God. Okay? Thank God for his grace. His grace allowed us to come into the kingdom filthy and degenerate and everything else, and he accepted us. But what happens after we're born again? The grace of God that has brought salvation has appeared to all men. Look at teaching us. Teaching us what? That denying, and I want you to really pay attention to the wording here, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, that we should live soberly, righteously, and godly. Look at this. In when? The present age. There's something about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul seems like he received a lot of revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ about the sensitivity to the times and seasons of life. Now, there's a whole tribe in the Old Testament that that was their gifting. It was called the tribe of Issachar. Every one of the members of that tribe, it said, had a special gifting from the Holy Spirit to be able to recognize times and seasons. 
I think the Apostle Paul had that same kind of a gift because he writes about this a lot. He got a lot of insight on what was going to happen in the last days. Amen? But besides the Apostle John, who wrote the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul seems like he has a lot of insight of what's going to be going on on the earth just before Jesus comes. So he's telling us here, he's instructing Titus, who Titus was a pastor of a congregation that was like crazy Christians. Stubborn, just hard-necked, hard-hearted. And so he receives instruction from Paul to teach your congregation that the power of God, the grace of God is available when they want to get rid of the ungodliness in their lives, when they want to get rid of the unhealthy cravings and strong desires of, of, the, of our human flesh so that we could live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age now, he goes on to reveal what this present age is. Watch. Next verse. Looking. Looking. Say, I'm looking. looking. Look, say it again. Looking. looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing. You notice, nah, I don't want to get off on this. He says appearing, not return. There's two stages in Jesus' return. That's right. There's the appearing, and then there's the second coming. The next thing on the calendar of God is the appearing. Amen. We'll talk about it another time. Looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. Who is it? Jesus Christ. Next verse. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us. Watch this now. That we're already born again. This is written to Christians. And yet he recognizes that we still need to be redeemed in our everyday conduct from what? Lawless deed. And do, do, what's he want to do for us? Purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Church, this is written to Christians. Your spirit was made perfect. But our souls need to be regenerated. Our souls need to be, re our minds need to be renewed. When you have a problem with sin, it's not coming from your spirit, it's coming from your soul. Are you listening? Yes. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going. I'm just going to believe God that you're getting this, okay? So, let's go back. Go back to verse uh, 11 again. 12. So, grace that's revealed to us in, in verse 11 has a job to do. It's to teach us. Teach us to do what? Notice it doesn't say resist ungodliness? It says, what are we supposed to do with ungodliness? Deny it. Deny it. Well, let, let, let's, let's, let's open this up a little bit. Let's, let's get some clarity here. Deny it. Here's how I see it. I, I think it's fairly accurate. I, I think it's accurate. The grace of God is empowering me when I want it to. The grace of God, if I tap into it by faith, because everything we receive from God is we make our faith available, he makes his grace available. Amen. That's how you got born again. Okay, you release faith, he released grace. Amen. You got it? That's how you took hold of your salvation, all right? So now watch this now. We live in a world that's ungodly, yes or no? Has anybody realized that? Did you realize this morning? Did you walk out of your house for 10 minutes and realize this world is crazy? Yes. Our society is, is, is just steeped in evil, yes. wickedness, ungodliness. 
We literally, literally are literally, like Peter talked about being pilgrims. We, we are in this world, but we are not of this world. Now, it doesn't mean I walk around with, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm saved. I'm sanctified. I'm full of the Holy Ghost. You're just a sinner. I can't associate with you. No, that's not what, that's not godly. But we are called to be separate. And if you love people that are still outside of relationship with God, you'll strengthen yourself so that you can help them. You'll get the junk out of your life so that you can be an example to them. And they're going to want to know the God who changed you into a different person. So he's telling us that the grace of God we can tap into that will cause us to deny ungodliness. I like to put it this way. Maybe this will clarify. I am denying access to my soul to any ungodliness in the world that I'm surrounded with. And here's the mistake that we make sometimes. We want to be friends with people. We want to be nice to people. We want to be tolerant to people. But we're not doing them any good. I know this is tough, but I got to keep going because it's the word. Okay? You and I need to tap into the power of the Holy Spirit, which according to Romans chapter 5, that's the grace in which we stand. It took grace for you to get into the kingdom. Once you're in the kingdom, it's going to take his grace for you to stand, continue to stand, and not fall back into the old ways, not fall back, back into the world again. Okay? That grace can surround us and protect us and give us the discernment to recognize I've allowed stuff from the world to come into my soul. When we start thinking like the world, when we start condoning and approving stuff that is contrary to the word of God, guess what? We've allowed ungodliness to infiltrate our souls. Now, a person could be infiltrated by their junk and stuff like this. I almost hate to say this, but it's true. You die, you're still going to go to heaven because your spirit was made perfect in Christ. But you might look all beat up when you get there. Because we invite hell back into our lives sometimes. We, start, we, we, we don't have enough sense and enough discernment to go, okay, this is what's going on in the world. And, and sometimes we need to know what's going on so we know how to pray for people, how to minister to people, where people need to be loved, where people need to be you know, comforted and surrounded. But we don't have enough discernment sometimes to make sure that it doesn't get on us. And when that stuff gets on a Christian, they're as useless as a lifeguard that can't swim. I don't swim that good. If I'm going to go to the beach and I'm going to go to the ocean, I'm looking back at that stand over there and I want to believe this guy knows how to swim better than me. Because if I'm out there floundering, I don't need somebody who's got a broken arm. I don't need somebody who's going to try it. I need somebody who's got a track record that they know how to swim in order to save me. Yes or no? Yes or no? So the whole goal of the season that we're in right now is the Spirit of God is saying to the church, deny ungodliness and worldly cravings and desires of our human nature so that you can live soberly. What does it mean to live soberly? Clear-minded. And let me tell you something. To find uh, people that are clear-minded today, 
is at a premium. Because most people have become so inundated by the junk in this world, the mindsets of this world, the ungodliness of this world, that even some Christians are walking around on this earth delusional. So deny ungodliness and worldly lust. Get rid of those, those cra- Get them under control. Look, we're human. We're in the flesh. You're never going to get completely free from our emotions. God created us to be emotional beings. But when those emotions are not under the harness of the Holy Ghost, they're damaging. But he wants us to get these things under control. He wants us to deny access to the ungodliness of this world so that we can live soberly, clear-minded, being very much aware of life around us, not walking under deception, soberly, righteously. What does that mean to, be, to live righteously? To live like, well, I only dress a certain way, I only eat certain things, I only associate with certain people. That's not, no, that's religion. Mm-hmm. Righteousness in the scriptures, especially in the New Testament, is living like a person who knows they've been forgiven and who knows that God has placed them in right standing with him. Amen. Let me ask you this question. This might be a very natural way. Uh, let's say you owe money to somebody. You owe them a debt, and there's no possible way for you to pay this money back. Let me ask you this question. How comfortable do you feel in the presence of that person? You're like, oh, so-and-so's going to be there? Nah, I'm good. I'm not coming. Well, why? Nah. You know, things between me and so-and-so are not that great. It's kind of awkward because you know you can't pay that money. And you know that person's looking at you like. (laughs) Now, let me ask you this question. Now, you get the means and the resources to pay that debt. How then does that relationship change? It's not awkward anymore. In fact, you're looking back at the person like, we're good now. I took care of my debt. I took care of my responsibilities. I'm not obligated anymore. That's living righteously as a person knowing and very much aware that the debt that existed between us and God, a debt of sin, has been taken care of by Jesus Christ on the cross. You're not walking around guilty. You're not walking around feeling condemned. You're not walking around feeling like you still got the weight of the world on your shoulders. You walk around like me and God are good. We're good. Yeah. Amen? But you see, it's almost impossible to do that when we've allowed ungodliness to infiltrate our souls. Because our spirit knows that's not who you are. And so we end up feeling oppressed, pressured by the debt that we're carrying now. And he doesn't want us to live that way. He wants us to live soberly, clear-minded, clear, hearing from the Holy Ghost, walking like somebody who's been forgiven by God, understanding the authority that Jesus has given us as his church. And thirdly, he wants us to live godly, reflecting his image. And look, when we walk around and act like the world, we're not reflecting God. When, we, when we're thinking like the world, we're not reflecting God. And it's not, none of, none of this instruction he gives us is for the, the goal to punish us. He's not vindictive. He's not malicious. He's not setting us up. 
He's not going to pull the rug out from underneath us. It's because he loves us so much. He took us just as we were. But he loves us too much to leave us just as we were. Are you listening? Pastor, you don't know what my life has been like. I'm just so bound with addictions. I'm so, I, just, I just have no control over my desires and my wants. I try. I'm good for a week, maybe two weeks, and then something triggers something on the inside, and by the end of the third week, I'm right back on the bottom of that cycle again. I don't know what to do. The grace of God that brought salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny the right for that thing to keep infiltrating your soul. Now, if you by faith will say, God, I'm standing on your promise in Titus chapter 2. I can't control this area of my life. God, I, I don't want to react and get triggered by certain things that happen. Father, I don't understand why, why something that should get this much of a reaction gets this much of a reaction. Why somebody does something, says something, looks at me a certain way. And all of a sudden, I explode. I don't know why that happens. I can't control it. For the grace of God, which has brought salvation, has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts so that we would live soberly. To live soberly also means, you know, it's one thing to know the Bible. You can know the Bible from the front page to the back page, but if you don't know you, there's not going to be any growth because you're not going to know what to apply where. So living soberly is also being able to assess your soul, allowing the Holy Spirit to come and go, Holy, teach me. I don't know why I'm acting. I don't know why I'm doing. I don't know why I'm saying this. I don't know why I'm, I don't know why I treat this person. I don't know why. He'll show us. But we've got to receive that promise by faith, just like we receive every other promise by faith. You put faith in the promise that said, Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, and you receive salvation. Amen. You put faith in the promise that said, if you confess the Lord Jesus, and you confessed him with your mouth, you declared your faith in him, and you received salvation. This works, everything you ever going to receive from God works the exact same way. He gave us the measure of faith. And I believe every single one of us has the same exact measure. It's enough to get born again. Then you start growing in the word and you start applying your faith and your faith grows and grows and grows. Amen. But everything you're ever going to receive from God is going to be this transaction. You have faith, he's got the grace. You release faith, grace gets relieved. That's how you're going to receive from God. So why not now let us put our faith in this promise that his grace can teach us and it's going to be very individual and it's going to be very specific. The grace is going to work in your life very different in my life. He's going to show things in my life that maybe you've never had to deal with. He's going to show things in your life that I'm like, I've never, I don't know what that's like because I've never been there. It's very specific. But that's what a relationship is. A religion wants to just put a set of rules over an entire group of people. A relationship is one-on-one, -on -one, customized. He knows you. 
He knows what's in your soul. He knows what you've been exposed to. He knows what damage life has done to you. He knows what's going to motivate you in the proper way. He knows also the things that are going to trigger you to act like a crazy person. <laughs> and we can trust God for that grace. And it's our obligation and responsibility to do so. I've got to wrap this up. I'm going to give you one more scripture. And this one's powerful. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, please. Are you getting anything today? Yes. What season are we in? We're in a season of repentance. It's time to change our mind about some of the conduct that we've been tolerating and been walking in. Now, watch this now. Here is a statement of fact. This isn't a promise for the, for the future initially, but this is a statement of fact. Behold, now we are children of God. Turn to somebody and say, you're a child of God. Turn to somebody else and say, you're a child of God. That's a fact. It's established, okay? Uh, are you happy that you're a child of God? Let me see. Let me see your hands. How many of you are happy you're a child of God? Okay, good. It's a good thing, right? Good. So now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. When you first got born again, you had no idea what your life was going to be like. Uh, trust me, 38 years ago, if God would have spoke to me on the night I got born again, April the 25th, 1984, and would have said to me that night, you're going to go through some things. You're going to have to lose everything in bankruptcy. I'm going to restore you. I'm going to put you in the ministry. You're going to be pastor over church. And eventually, it's going to be three campuses with all kinds of hundreds and hundreds of families. I would have went, nah, I'm good. <laughs> he doesn't show you what the plan is. First, he engages your heart. So now we are children of God, and yet it's not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, that he's coming soon. Amen. When he's revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Is that a good promise or what? Amen. How many of you are excited about that promise? Let me see your hands. I'm excited. It's a good promise. It's a good thing. Okay, next verse. And everyone who has this hope. How many of you have this hope? Let me see your hands again. Let me see it again. Let me see it again. How many of you have this hope that you are a child of God, that God's got good things ahead for you, that you're going to be just like Jesus someday? You got this hope? Watch this. And everyone who has this hope in him, read it nice and loud, purifies himself just as he is pure. Pastor, it's impossible for me to purify myself. Of course it is. That's why he gave us Titus chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. Because on your own and on my own, forget it. I, I got to wrap this up, but I've said this in the past. For the most part, and just hear me from my heart. If you were a jerk before you got born again, <laughs> if you were an unlikable person before you got born again, you're probably still a jerk or an unlikable person after you get born again. It's just that your spirit got saved. Now, how do you not become a jerk anymore? How do you not act like an idiot anymore? It's going to be by the grace of God who initiated this relationship with us and now going to give us the power to not be idiots. You listening? Listen, don't walk out of here. I failed today if you walk out of here thinking, I can't do this on my own. He knows that. He's not expecting that. What he is expecting is for us to put our trust in him to do the work 
in us and to teach us how to keep the junk out of our lives, to stop this world that keeps crowding in on us through every form of media, trying to infiltrate our souls with all kinds of ungodliness, wickedness, sexual immorality, all kinds of degeneracy. He'll help us. He wants to help us because he wants to purify for himself a people that will be zealous to do good works. What's the good works? Get everybody in the ark just like Noah's day. Come on, get in. The storm is coming. Come on, get in. The flood's coming. Come on, get in. The flood's coming. Amen? Amen. Now listen, we've all messed up. You're going to mess up. Some of us are going to walk out of this room and mess up. You messed up on the way to church. We're going to mess up. We're going to fall into sin. It's going to happen because we still keys, are living on keys, a planet keys. that is infested with sin. So, what do, Pastor, what do I do? What do I do? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just not only to forgive us our sins, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In other words, when you go back and become an idiot again, you pick up junk out of the world. You, you start doing stuff you know you shouldn't be doing. You start looking at stuff you know you shouldn't be looking at. You start reacting to the things that you're looking at. You start treating people like garbage again. Okay, what are you going to do? Don't stay there. Run to him. Confess it to him. You're not hiding anything. He knows already. And honestly, he knew before he received you that you were going to be an idiot again. And he made provision for us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, not only to forgive us, but to cleanse us of all the junk that we pick up when we start thinking like the world, talking like the world, acting like the world. Don't stay there. Let him help you purify. Get back to that place again. Next week, we're going to talk a lot more about this. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand up? Let me pray over all of us, and then we'll go. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord God. I pray, Father, that, that today we were successful here. Lord, I pray that in every area, any area that maybe I wasn't clear, Father, if there's anybody here with questions right now, concerns, doubts, Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit will just meet us at that place. And that the Holy Spirit will continue to reveal this message, continue to reveal these scriptures, continue teaching us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. So, Father, that we could purify ourselves and live soberly and righteously and godly in this present season of preparation for the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Father, we yield ourselves to you, God. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come and shine the light in our souls and our minds. Show us the areas, Father, where we've grown cold to. Father, the areas where we're tolerating stuff we never would have tolerated years ago. We've allowed stuff to come in, Father, that we never would have allowed years ago, Father. And we know these areas displease you. And Father, we know you love us. And Father, it's because you love us that we're drawn to you. And we ask you for help. 
We thank you for the grace of God that teaches us. And we're so, so, so grateful, Father, for your grace upon our lives. We're so grateful, Lord, that you are perfecting the things that concern us, God. We're so grateful, Father God, for the love that you have for us that causes you to be long-suffering, patient with us. Thank you that you said you'd never leave us, you'd never forsake us, God. Even in the worst degeneracy, Father, you still love us with that everlasting love. And with cords of loving kindness, you draw us to yourself. Thank you. Thank you for never giving up on us. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit who comes alongside us and takes hold together with us against all ungodliness, against every worldly craving and strong desire that would lead us away from you. Father, do the work in us, God. Get us ready to meet the Lord Jesus. We bless you for this. We thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Now listen to me very closely. We've got to get out of here because they've got to get the church ready for the Spanish, got to get the place ready for the Spanish service. All right? So take your coffee, take your cookie. But if you need prayer, listen to me from my heart. If you need prayer for anything, if you're in that spot right now, please listen to me. Don't get distracted. If you're in that spot right now, say, Pastor, I don't trust myself to leave this place without receiving prayer. Please come up here. There's people that are trained to pray for you and to pray with you. Do not be embarrassed. Do not say, well, what are people going to think? Don't care what people think. Be vulnerable. Put yourself in a position to be transparent. That's when you really receive from God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Please make sure you're here next weekend. God bless you. You're dismissed.